Amen. If we could be opening our Bibles to um, Acts chapter 16. Well, thank you so much, uh, Carter, for sharing your heart and your journey and how God has drawn you to himself. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it, it's, it, it's a unique experience uh, watching your own child uh, share his walk with God. And uh, it's uh, something that's super inspiring, encouraging, is also so convicting of how God could, uh, um, could, could uh, work. You know, you, as a parent, you try to do the best you can, amen? And uh, when you see your child up here, all that I can think of is God's mercy and grace <laughs> that, uh, that God works through uh, and draws his, his children to himself. And uh, I guess the other thought that went through my mind is I guess Carter inherited a lot of Christie's uh, competitiveness and, and pride. I don't, I don't know what happened there. Or maybe it's just his big brother. But. Anyways, awesome. Okay, um, today we're going to continue on in our series in the, in the book of Acts, which is entitled Ordinary to Emboldened. Uh, we're going we're gonna to know this by the end of the year, aren't we? Uh, what's the title of our series? Uh, Ordinary to Emboldened, uh, the Holy Spirit's power at work within and through us. Amen? The reason we can be ordinary folks and yet be emboldened is because not because we're men and women of great courage or character or whatnot, but because of who the Holy Spirit is and how he works in and through us. Amen? Uh, today we're going to talk about uh, faithful missionaries to people of peace. Faithful missionaries to people of peace. You know, last week we talked about Paul and Barnabas at the end of Acts chapter 15, and how they experienced a, a departure, a splitting of ways. And we talked about how easy that is to have unity defeats and keys and principles to unity uh, victories, but even through the church's seeming defeats, God works, amen? Even through, as people, our struggles and our, and our failures and our, and our sins, God can still work through that because He is the great Redeemer. He is the one who takes all things and turns them for the good. And this is what we see, though Paul and Barnabas split, Barnabas took Mark and went to, excuse me, Cyprus. Paul took Silas, and we have what's the beginning of what's called the second missionary journey of Paul, and that's found here in Acts chapter 16 through 18, okay? And uh, we're going to have, uh, Ellen, if you could go to the, um, I want to I catch us up to speed, or, or maybe I'll try it. There we go. That was me. That was, okay. Uh, so this is Paul's first missionary journey. I want to give us a little, who likes maps? We like maps, right? Maps are cool. And so uh, Antioch here is what we call the sending church. This is where all of Paul's missionary journeys originated from. And the church prayed and sent Paul and Barnabas, sent Paul and Silas off. Uh, the first missionary journey, they went down to Cyprus, up through here to Lystra in Derby. And a special note about a, um, a Derby is coming up. Uh, and then back through Lystra and Iconium, 
and uh, uh, back uh, through Italia here, Pamphylia, and then uh, back to Antioch. And then uh, after a few years, the Dr council in Jerusalem happened, Acts chapter 15, about how to really, how to have the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians, how can we live together? Do the Gentiles need to be circumcised in order to become Christians? Uh, and and uh, do they, in essence, do they need to become Jews to become Christians? And the answer to that was, was no. Um, they do not need to be circumcised, but there were some things they needed to do to build the unity uh, in the church. And that was in Acts chapter uh, 15. And now here we're going to see the second missionary journey start out. And I want you to notice something. Remember what uh, Acts 1 verse 8 said? That the Holy Spirit will take the gospel to uh, Jerusalem, which it's interesting, Jerusalem is down here. It's almost starting to be a little bit out of the picture as far as the mission, the spreading of the gospel. Of course, there's still faithful disciples there, and Jerusalem comes into play later. But we have Jerusalem, and then all of Judea, which is about here, Samaria, which is a little bit more here, and then to the ends of the earth. So now we're starting to see the gospel go to the ends of the earth, through, mainly through the church here in Antioch. So here's the first missionary journey, and now this is the second missionary journey, okay? So do you see that ripple effect? So God never does everything all at once. Because as people, we can't handle all of God all at once. We can only handle a little bit of God at a time. That's why in Genesis, you start to see an unveiling and a revealing. And then in Exodus, you know, who's God? What's the family of God and the people of God? And there's just a little bit more unveiling, as much as we can handle. But even when they went into the promised land, the Bible says that it was little by little as much as they could handle. Isn't that sensitive of God? That it's not just like, here I am, and we'd all be like, we can't handle it, and run away, right? Just little by little, and I love to hear journey shares. Little by little, Carter started to get in touch with how prideful he is, and continues to, amen. Uh, and little by little, I get in touch, and you, not, you get in touch with our sinful natures and the nature of God and how they come in contrast, and we, we can repent and, and learn and grow and just take one step at a time. It's kind of the, this ripple effect. And so we see here in the second missionary journey, uh, the gospel being carried to, all the way to Macedonia and Achaia. So this today would be northern Greece. Southern Greece. This really is the first time the gospel entered Europe, okay? What we know today is Europe. And it's interesting, history tells us that it was really from Europe that Europe then became kind of the Antioch, where the gospel spread to Africa, uh, North America, Latin America, uh, the Far East, the Oceania, etc., and so we see this continued ripple effect of God's mission. Um, was that in Paul's mind, that he would go to Europe and then Europe would go to... Of course not. But I think it was in, the, in God's mind and in the Holy Spirit's mind, amen? And just because it's not in your mind doesn't mean it's not in God's mind. And God can take our simple little steps of obedience and yet have so much more in mind for future generations.
Isn't that encouraging? Um, you know, it's interesting. Already we can see with this ripple effect that Paul, the Apostle Paul, in the embarking of the second missionary journey, he said, you know what? Let's go again. Let's go back to the churches that were started, and let's go to the disciples. Let's see how they're doing. Let's strengthen and encourage them, and let's plant new churches. Well, we already see that the Holy Spirit didn't let Paul just rest on his laurels. Well, I've done my mission thing, and now it's time for other people to go. Paul didn't just say, you know what, I'm just going to sit in Antioch, kind of from here to the end of my days with my good buddy Barnabas and Silas and uh, the other teachers, and we're just going to kind of sit back because I've done my sacrifice thing. I've done my hard thing. I've done my mission thing. And uh, uh, just, just get, you know, come on, you, you do your part. It's interesting how a sense of justice can stop us from serving God. Do you ever experience that in your household, maybe with your kids? Um, I did the dishes this morning. They can do it for lunch. Are you with me there? Does that ever happen? It sure happens in our house. Uh, well, I did that chore last time. Or in the church, it's like, well, I did the teaching for the kids' kingdom two weeks ago. Someone else do it this week. In this scorekeeping, I've done my duty type mentality can sink into us. Versus, hey, if God's calling us to go, let's go. Amen? Who's keeping score? Right? If, it's, if it, there's something to be done before, let's go do it. Now let's get everyone doing it. That's a good principle, but it's not going to stop me from serving. Um, Paul says at the end of his life, I didn't just start the race, I finished the race. Uh, there's a, the Spirit is on fire in my soul. The gospel is exactly what the world needs. I can't keep it in. I'm going to go again. Missionary journey number two. Let's go. Uh, and we've looked at the word go, right? Jesus said, go make disciples. Go into all nations. Go. There's a time when we, we need to rest and relax and, and re restore, you know, and then there's a time we need to get off our butts and, and to go. Let's go. All right, so here we go. In Acts chapter um, 15, verse 40, Paul chose Silas and left, being committed by the brethren to the grace of the Lord. And he was traveling through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So a lot of times we think about, well, should our priority as a church be just to, we just need to strengthen Eau Claire. We can't do this sending business anymore because like when Mike and Lisa or Lee and Morgan, when we send them to Duluth, it hurts us for a while. We're just going to, you know what? The, there is never an either or that we see here in the book of Acts. Well, it's either strengthen the current churches or plant new churches. No, we're just going to plant new churches and leave the ones there. They've got the spirit. Good luck. There's a, always a both and. Amen? And so when we as a thinking, as we think as a sending church, well, we should just worry about ourselves for now. You know, we can't just worry about ourselves because there's lost souls out there that need to be saved. Amen? But if we're just all outward focused, hey, we've got to say, pay attention to our own. How are we doing? It's both and, never either. Or. All right. That's what Paul so it was going to, to go to the current churches to strengthen, but also to, to uh, plant new churches. Paul came also to Derby, into Lystra, and a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman 
who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren there who were there who were in Lystra in Iconium. Paul wanted this man to go with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those parts, for they all knew his father was a Greek. What what just happened? What didn't we just read that you don't have to be circumcised? And wasn't Paul the champion of that cause? So what happened? Answer me. We don't have the answer. What do you think the answer is? Why did that happen? Revenge. <laughs> Revenge. I don't, I don't know for sure. Probably not. Uh, <laughs> any other thoughts? Why did Paul have Timothy circumcised? Okay, so what Carter's saying is that not all the Jews were there yet, in essence, in their faith. Okay, that's a good thought. Jared? So Timothy was part Jewish. Mm hmm. Going into the Jewish community, if they sent Timothy and got circumcised, which the Gentiles were not Jewish at all. Okay. Okay, so there was maybe an ineffectiveness, a relatable issue at stake. Do you think Timothy had to be circumcised to be a Christian? No. Do we just think, oh, I only got to do what I got to do to be a Christian. Just keep me in the, in the saved category, and then I'm good. Is that the heart of Jesus? Share with me the minimum I got to do, God. I'll count those costs, but don't ask me to do anything extra around here. All right? That wasn't the heart. Like, I don't want to do the minimum. I want to most what can, what most can i do what more can i give in order to save a few one right and so paul knew that timothy's message would be discredited if he wasn't circumcised so I, to the jews i became like a jew to win the jews to the gentiles i became like a gentile to win i become all things to all men so that we might possibly save some it shows the willingness of Timothy to do whatever it takes. It shows the value of a soul, the value of a soul. You know, I'm fired up about our special contribution. The last time I mentioned it, we were just a tiny, we were like over $24,000. Well, I'm fired up that now it's almost $31,000 that our church has given. Amen? It's inspiring. That's sacrifice. That's God's, to God's glory. But we need to, that, that's an example. Let's be whatever it needs. What does the campus ministry need? We want to be whatever that is. What does Duluth need? What does the Africa need? Uh, whatever they need, that's what we want to step up and give and be. Amen? And that's the heart of Timothy. I think there was probably a little testing here going on of, of Timothy. Maybe Paul was a little burned by Mark. Remember that? He's like, the next, next young guy I get, I'm going to work them over at the beginning just to make sure where their heart is. Timothy, how about circumcision? Whatever it takes, Paul. Whatever you say. I love Jesus. He died for me. I'll be willing to be circumcised for him. All right, let's go. Come with us, young man. <laughs> All right? Okay. Also, it's interesting, Timothy, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this, but his mother 
was a Jew and his father was a Greek. And think of all the rejection that Timothy faced in his life, culturally, socially, religiously, because he was from a mixed uh, family. His father wasn't around. We don't hear of his father. And the church became his family. The apostle Paul became a father in the faith to my dear son, Timothy, right? And that's how God, that's how God works. He gives us physical families of all different kinds of strengths and weaknesses, good, bad, ugly, right? We all kind of come from various, but then God uses the church to parent us. God uses his family to complete us, to uh, minister to us, to, to be the brothers, to be the sisters, to be the moms and dads. Uh, some, I was the youngest in my family, and I always wanted little brothers and sisters so I could pick on them, right? Like, they, like I got picked on. Well, the church has provided that for me. And I get little brothers and sisters that I can pick on. Amen? That's not the only reason I love them. But uh, anyways, okay, verse 4. Now while they were passing through the cities and delivering the decrees which had been decided upon by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem for them to observe. So Paul's continuing to carry this message from the Jerusalem council. So the churches were being strengthened in the faith and were increasing num- in number daily. Strengthened in the faith, increasing in number. Sometimes we don't want to focus on qu- quantitative results, so we just all focus on qualitative Sometimes we want to just, what's the results? What's the numbers? I, sometimes I travel. What's the numbers? It's like, you know, it's not about numbers. Here, this is a great balance as well, right? When the church grows in its faith and its love and its strength and its convictions, it will grow uh, numerically, amen? But if we're not, it won't. All right. Uh, verse 6. They passed through the Phrygian and Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. So um, I'm going to go back to here, back to here. So they went through here. This is where there was previous churches. And now they want to, we're going to go farther. Holy Spirit emboldening them. I know. Let's go to Asia. Let's go to Asia. This makes sense. We've got roads going through here. And I want you to notice in Asia, do any of these names look familiar? Philadelphia, Thyatira, Sardis, Pergamum, Smyrna, Ephesus, Laodicea. Does that sound familiar? What's it sound familiar from? There's rep, church, the book of Revelation, right? Letters to all these. So the, church is, the church will go there eventually, but not now. So God is a God of our timing in times. The times... Our times are in His hand. Our times, you know, where we are and when we're there, God orchestrates for His purposes. We want it, Paul's like, we want to go in there? Holy Spirit's like, no, not, now's not the time. How, how do we do when the Holy Spirit says, not now, not yet? Well, I want what I want, and I want it now. No, not now. And how do we handle that? <laughs> you know, pouty pout. And get my way. Entitled, right? I deserve that. God's just like, oh, you got a ways to go. Okay? So they couldn't come in here, so what do they do? Give up and turn around and go home? Nope. At verse 7, after they came, here, I'll try to catch up. Oh, I'll just, 
Ellen, you do the verses, I'll do the maps. All right. Okay, after they came to Mysia, they were trying to go to, into Bithynia, and the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. So I'll do the map. So now we go up here. Oh, wrong way. Okay, so now they're, now they're trying to get up into here. Nope, not going to go there either. Man, and by the way, this isn't like this is from here to Menominee. Okay? From here to here where they eventually end up, 300 miles. And that's mountainous territory, rivers. And it's like, and if you notice the Holy Spirit, and I hadn't said yet where they are going to go. Just said, nope, not here. Nope, not there. Couple closed doors. Couple closed doors. Okay, verse 7, verse 8. And passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia standing and appealing to him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. I want to talk about closed doors and opening of doors. 300 miles. Nope, can't get in there. Now, how did, they not, how did, how did the Spirit do that, by the way? We don't know. We don't know. Uh, was it like the law? Was it, you know, roadblock? Was the, the, you know, we don't know exactly how that happened. But we know that was attributed to the Spirit. Can be, closed doors can be discouraging. Can be frustrating. Why, God? Why not? And a lot of times we don't get the answer to why in this life. Why are they acting this way? Why is, my t why is this job being shut down or or that neighborhood, or this school. Maybe we don't know the answer to why, and I believe our faith is tested when doors are closed. Our faith can be tested. Yet if God's going to close a door, He's going to open a door. And so we have this vision, you know, uh, this from the man in Macedonia. Proverbs 29, 18, King James Version says, where there is no vision, the people perish. You know, if you don't have a vision for God's calling, your Christian life is going to start to grind. Do you understand? Does that make sense? It gets grindy, it gets dull, it gets dry. When there's no vision for God's going to use us, use me, use our family, uh, it gets grindy. It starts to, to, our souls start to die within us. But when there's a vision, a calling from God, there's, there's new life. We come to life. And so he says, come over to Macedonia and help us. Seen the vision, got up to go, concluding God had called us to preach. So putting out to sea from Traos, we ran a straight course to Samothrace and on the, on, the, on the day following to Neapolis and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony, and we were staying in the city for some days. I want to stop right there for a second. You know, uh, um, if God's going to close some doors, there is a reason. There's open doors ahead. Uh, there's a vision that is waiting. You know, uh, I remember uh, for us in uh, uh, moving, we, we had a decision. Jackson was uh, about to enter kindergarten. 
And we said, God, get us into a neighborhood where your gospel will, there will be open doors for, for the gospel. And our concern of where to live, it wasn't so much well, what cushy, plushy neighborhood do we want or what's the best school system or where can I get the best house for the best value or whatever. It was where is the gospel going to be the most where the doors are going to be open. Does that make sense? What's best for you? What's best for the church? What's best for the kingdom of God? So whenever it comes to big decisions, guys, where to live, uh, um, jobs to take or whatnot, our mindset should not just be what's best for me, but what's best for the gospel. I know when the, the mooses moved here, it wasn't like, hey, what's the best thing? It's like, hey, where are we going to do best spiritually? Amen? Well, anyways, back to my story. So, so God opened up this, uh, this house uh, that was, uh, uh, much, was less expensive than we were hoping, op- hoping to purchase. And he opened up this door and uh, put us in the Putnam Heights neighborhood. He's like, well, okay, Putnam Heights. I think there's a school, Putnam Heights. Yep, there's a school down the road. A block ended up being a block from our house. And uh, uh, it's just, okay, God, we don't know what you're doing here, but we believe you've opened this door. And through our kids, uh, Jackson started playing uh, uh, soccer with Chase Bradle. And uh, we met Craig and Rebecca. And uh, Craig and I started coaching soccer together. And I didn't know Craig. I remember calling him, remember meeting him. I still remember the first time I met Craig uh, outside of Putnam Elementary in the the first soccer tournament. I was like, I don't know anything about soccer. He's like, I don't either. He's like, well, you know, kick the ball in the goal. And uh, uh, we had a good soccer team. and lo and behold, guess what? wasn't about soccer, was it? wasn't about the elementary school. It was about the Bradles were open, and they became disciples. And then Carter met Austin on his Odyssey of the Mind team, and the Schroeders uh, became disciples. And then a couple years ago, Jordan played, Eliana on the, played with Eliana on the volleyball team, and the Schultzes became disciples. So that little neighborhood, and now in our neighborhood, there's different, the Mesokowskis became, and the Schultz, and you know, the Tinkles moved in, and now in this little neighborhood, there's like this family in uh, um, uh, uh, um, the, uh, um, you know what, I just, the Condits live a block uh, away, and the Holtes live like three or four blocks away, and uh, it's all, it's all, it's all good, Amen. God's working. I'm sure I've, li- I've left out, you know, just, I'm, I'm just sorry, okay? <laughs> Wherever I leave out and whatever's name I mess up, just blanket apology. Um, should say that at the beginning of each sermon. Okay. Um, open doors and closed doors. Okay, I want to get into now, why did God open this door at Philippi and not these other places? Why? I want to look over in Luke chapter 10, okay? And I want to go back to Jesus for a minute. Because the book of Acts, if we remember from our first sermon in Acts, the book of Acts is simply a continuance of the ministry of Jesus, right? Luke says, in my former book, I wrote all that Jesus began to do and teach. So Acts is the volume two of the book of Luke. Well, look at look in. Luke chapter 10, when Jesus sent out missionaries to certain places, there was a reason. I want to read this and remind us of this. And then we're going to go back to 
the book of Acts. And in, in, in Luke chapter 10, verse 1, it says, Now after this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them in pairs ahead of him to every city and place where he himself was going to come. So he sent the disciples where he was going to come and show up. Hmm. Interesting, huh? So he sends where he's going to come and do his work. And he was saying to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. Go, behold, I send you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money belt, no bag, no shoes, and greet no one on the way. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking what, you get, what they give you, for the labor is worthy of his wages. Do not keep moving from house to house. And he goes on to give them more instructions. But Jesus is very deliberate in instructing his missionaries, go, and I'm going to come, and I'm going to work, and, you're, and look for people of peace, a man or woman of peace. What does that mean? They're like really tranquil because they did their yoga class that day. I don't think that's what it means. It means though, nothing against yoga, okay? Uh, I, I don't want to be offensive. I think it means that someone is there who's going to receive the message. Give it your peace means give it your message. And they're going to be open. They're going to receive the message eagerly. Not only that, they're going to be of certain means and character that they will provide for you and they will provide a place for the church to grow and thrive. So it's not just go make disciples. Go look for people of peace and give it your message, okay? And so that's what we're going to see in Acts Chapter 16, let's go back there and look in verse, where do we leave off? Uh, verse 13, so they came to um, Macedonia in Philippi. It says, on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to Riverside, where we're supposing that there would be a place of prayer. We sat down and began speaking to the women who had assembled. A woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God, was listening, and the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. And when, and when she and her household had been baptized, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. So here we have the first conversion in Europe. Now think about all that God will do through Europe, right? But it has to start with one person. And this is Lydia. Lydia is a, a woman of peace. She's from Thyatira. Now, interesting, go back to the map. Okay? Here we are in Philippi, but Lydia is a foreigner from Thyatira right here. Interesting, huh? Maybe the spirit moves not place to place, but people to people. People to people. Remember that. That's a common theme through the book of Acts. Barnabas first went to where? Cyprus, because that's where he was from. So the gospel spreads not just geographically through a program, but organically through people. People. So probably, we don't know for sure, but probably 
Lydia had something to do with the church spreading back then to Thyatira. All right. Um, so she was from Thyatira. She's a business owner, a seller of purple cloth. She was a seeker. She was a worshiper of God. Uh, she was humble. She was listening. Some of us right now, we're listening to the word of God. Some of us are checked out. Some of us were thinking about what we're doing later on. I'm not saying that. I'm not trying to. I don't know who. So if I'm looking at you, I'm not trying to send you a hidden message. But that's just the way it is. It's just the way, just the way it is. But she was listening, okay? And, uh, um, and she was humble. She, she saw it. She, she was responsive, okay? Now, I love this verse right here. Uh, who knows what the debate is between Calvinism and Arminianism? Anybody know about that, what that means? Calvinism and Arminianism. So there's, there's a theological debate of when someone is saved, is it the work of God or is it the response of the human? Is there human free will involved or is it all pre... Have you heard the phrase predestination? So it's predestined. It's all, you know, if you're, you're going to become a Christian, you're going to become a Christian, you don't have any free will in, in the matter. That's what a lot of theologians and churches believe, Presbyterian. It's, it's called Reformed Theology. Okay, and, and you have all this predestination, once saved, always saved, uh, uh, all this type of thing. Okay, and then you have Arminianism, which is it's all human free choice. It's all human response, free will, etc. So what do we see, though, right here? I said to my wife, I said, from, from this point on, every Calvinist, Arminian debate, I'm going to open to this verse, and I'm going to let it read what it reads, and I'm going to drop the Bible and walk away. I'm done. It's over. It says, let's read it together in verse, uh, um, second half of verse 14. So she was listening, and the Lord, let's read it together, and the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. Who was working? God was working. Who else was working? Lydia was working. Why do we have to separate these things? Of course, God was working to open her heart. You know, if you're here today, it's because God is working in your life. God is moving in your mind to think of thoughts about Him. God is opening your heart. God is convicting you with His Spirit. God is so much more at work in your life than you realize. It's crazy. Okay? And if you're not joining the work of God, you're fighting against it. No, I don't want to go there. No, I don't want to repent. No, I'm comfortable. No, I'm just fine. Leave me alone. Okay? God is so working in you. And I said, if you're sitting here, you don't have to be sitting in here. God's working on everyone because he wants all men to be saved, not just an elect few. All men. 2 Timothy 3. 1 Timothy 3. One of those threes. Okay? Is it, though, only God working? It says, he opened her heart to respond. Lydia had to respond. She had to agree. She had to surrender to the work of God in her life. Over and over, we see human free will refusing to respond. I don't, I'm, I don't want to repent, etc., I don't want to believe because I know that means changing certain things in my life that actually make me feel pretty good. So which is it? Yes. Both and God working 
and Lydia had to respond and work and obey the gospel. Absolutely both. Don't try to separate it or else you're just going to get yourself in trouble. So she was a person of peace. She was responsive. She was then a servant. She had a home that housed her own family, all the family servants, as well as four missionaries that were hungry, probably, that needed a place to stay. So she was, she was some, there was some degree of wealth there. We don't know, but there was, she's a business owner. She's successful. She's influential. She's, but she doesn't use that to prop up her own ego. She uses that to serve the people of God. And that's why it's given to them, to her, in the first place. She's influential. She's influ influential in her household. Her and her whole household came to faith. So in other words, they looked at her example and they imitated it. You don't imitate some old lady's example if she's grumpy, cranky, you know, biting everyone's heads off. Uh, uh, they want nothing to do with her, right? That wasn't her household. Hey, Lydia, she came to faith. She came to believe. I'm going to imitate that, all right? She was influential, and with Paul, it says that she prevailed upon us. She convinced them. She influenced Paul. These guys weren't pushovers. I don't know if you've noticed that or not, but she influenced them. Hey, you're going to come to my house. You can just picture, right? You come to my house for some, some dinner. No, we're busy. We don't want to impose. Uh, I don't think you heard me, bro. You're coming to my house for dinner, right? Uh, no, we don't want to, you know, it's okay. Da, da, da. I mean, we don't know what she did, right? But she prevailed upon them. I love that. I love that. She was influential. Okay, we're going to get into, we're going to, we need to stop here. But we're going to get into, um, I almost feel like not stopping. Let's stop. But, but we're, I know, should we take a vote? Uh, no, we won't, because no one will want to appear, you know, like we'd rather stop. Rather stop, please, two, two votes. But we're going to get into Paul and Silas and the faith that they're tested, continued to test. Read ahead for next week. Their faith continued to be tested by trials and hardships and imprisonments and beatings. But they were faithful through it. And then another person of peace was open and responded, and we have the start of the church in Philippi. But let's review some things we've learned so far. The ripple effect of, this, of the gospel through the power of the Spirit. You know, you're a part of that ripple. You're a part of that ripple by simply obeying, by simply sharing your faith to your co-workers, your neighbors, uh, your family. You're a part of that ripple. If you take the step of faith, even though there's closed doors, there's an open door uh, coming. Um, a, per, a person of peace. If you're seeking God, I want to challenge you to be a person of peace. Okay? God's calling you to be a person of peace. Seek God with all your heart. Imitate Carter's faith. It wasn't me saying, hey, Carter, you need to text, you know, get going. Come on, Carter. Carter texted Brad and Grayson. And by the way, Carter texted Brad and Grayson every single study to set it up. Uh, no one was, he had his own conviction. He was a seeker. Be a learner. Don't, don't try to think you know it all. Why are you doing that? Be a learner. I want to know what I don't know, not prove what I do know. Be a learner. Be a responder. Have you been called to repent, but you're dallying around? Not repenting? Why? It's only going to get worse. Repent or perish. 
Repentance brings great joy. Be a servant and be an influencer. Use the things God has given you, not for your own gain, but to serve the church and the family of God and the people around you. Amen? Amen. Acts chapter 16, people of peace and faithful messengers will continue with it next week. At this time, we'll have Tom come up, and he's going to uh, give us a verse for our offering and share some announcements. And we'll have one last song to end our worship.